Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Let's just turn to the Word this morning. I appreciate you all bearing with us a little. Let's be praying next weekend for the services. Let's look for what God will do. And I believe it's always when we come with expectation, I believe God will meet you where you are expecting. Amen. Let's just look for Him to deal with our lives. Matthew chapter 16 this morning. We are going to build on that which we've been speaking for a couple of Sundays now and, and go a little further. I likely have more that I want to go. I, I will just follow what I believe the Lord had laid on my heart for this Sunday. Matthew 16, verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And so we, we took a little time on that in the service where God will build his church not by the intellectual teaching of man, not what we can learn from one another, but by the direct sovereign revelation of God to the individual. And that's the connection we all need. More than any other connection, we need that connection. So now in verse 18, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Shall we bow our heads for prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we so want to thank you for the gathering this morning, for the hearts of the people. Lord, they are your people. They are the purchase of your blood. And Father, this morning, we just want to step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to take this service. Therefore, we ask, Lord, forgive us where we have failed you. Lord, look through the blood this morning. And Father, knowing that we are in this season of mortality, we're subject to mistakes. But Lord, you've made a provision and we want to come this morning under that provision and ask, Lord, that you would minister to us. Father, prepare us for the hours, the, the times ahead, the, the meetings ahead. And now, Lord, take this service into your hands. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may have your seats. This morning I will entitle my thoughts, I will build my church, part three. But I'm going to call this Power to loose. Power to loose. There's a power of binding. There's a power of loosing. A power to loose. And so I want to use this as a, maybe a preparation for the meetings. And I want to move our hearts into thinking beyond the natural of just an event on the calendar. I want us to be thinking beyond just Brother Ron and Brother Andrew but I want us to be looking to God and how he would want to speak to us. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 23. 
Exodus chapter 23, and we will pick this up from verse 20. This is now the children of God, of Israel, in a journey, and they're following a vindicated pillar of fire, a cloud that they could see. They're following a prophet that they could see, but there was an element that they couldn't see. And Moses speaks to them in verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. Now, it doesn't say to find a way. God had a way already planned, but he wanted to keep them and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him, obey his voice, provoke him not. I will say, you could offend Moses more uh, than you could offend this angel. This angel, to offend this angel was, was a greater sin, if I could call it that. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For my angel shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Now, if that's the pattern in the first Exodus, then we ought to look with faith where we are. We are called to walk in this world. We're not of this world. But we're called to live as overcomers. We're called in the most wicked age to overcome the things that are around us and to serve God acceptably and reverently with fear. Verse 24. This is the warning now. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Now, I don't find that there's a lot of room there to, to misread what God is saying. He's calling a people to separate. You're chosen. Separate yourself. And he says, and you shall serve the Lord your God. So if you do this, here's, here's what comes and follows it. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Oh, it's a dry and barren land, but I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. There's diseases. I'll heal your diseases. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now, you're following this angel, but as you're following him, look at what God's putting in you. And I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all mine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Not because we're something, but because God in us is something. 
And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. But little and little, by little and little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea even to the Sea of the Philistine and from the desert unto the river, and I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. Thou sh they shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Now, I, I want to just move it right along. Jesus said, I will build my church. If I just summarize this, and I, I'd ask you maybe to, if you had a chance to look at the masterpiece message, not thinking maybe I'd, I'd go this direction, but if you know that message, God was first after the fall of man, he set about to build the man. There was an Adam that fell, but there was a second Adam that would come forth. And God set about in the Old Testament to build the man. So he built the man. He took a man called Abraham. And out of Abraham, he had he had offspring, he had a seed, he had uh, Isaac, he had Jacob, he had 12 sons, he had a Joseph, but all along God was building an image of the man. Abraham represented the father of the faith. Isaac represented the, the love. Jacob represented grace. Joseph represented perfection. God was building the man. And he would go further as Moses would come and he would build the man, the prophet. And he would go further as David would come and he would build the man, a king, after the heart of God. He was building a man. He didn't tell us what he was doing, but we were catching the image in part before the fullness came. But he was building the man. And then Isaiah would talk further on this man, and he would go into Isaiah 53, which is the scripture Brother Branham used in the Masterpiece message, and he talked about, behold my servant, my, my, the, uh, a man who was rejected and despised and all of these things. He was building the man. And when the man finally came, the man Christ Jesus, it reflected all the prophets, all the shadow, all the law, it reflected God's handiwork. Amen. He built the man. Yeah. So after he built the man, he set about building the bride. He had a bridegroom. Now he needed a bride. And he says, I will build my church. Yeah. 
And the same God that built the man is building the church. He started in Ephesus and he built a church, a people, and he worked under a certain anointing and he worked through the dark ages and it was a reflection of him or attributes of him. It reflected under a lion and an ox and a man anointing, but it would come down to the very end and he was going to build a church, not just a church, but he would call her a bride. And Brother Bannon would say, there's been churches, churches, churches. There's been brides, brides, brides. But there must come forth a bride. Now that's, they could spend a whole prelogue into that service. But the Bible would then talk, and we read this scripture last week when we, we took Romans chapter 8. And, and we would talk, Brother Dan, I didn't give this to you, don't worry about it, I'll just read from it if I can this morning. But in Romans chapter 8, when, 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 when Brother Branham would, would talk and, and he would, he would not Brother Branham, but the Bible would just say, um, he who he is called, and he would talk about it and he would say, and we read this, uh, and it says, whom he did, sorry, all things work for good to them that love God that are the called. Now, the called. A group of people. A chosen people. A peculiar people. But they were called according to His purpose. We weren't just put here to fulfill our purpose. We're here to fulfill His purpose. We're temples. If, if He was the priest, we are a part of that priesthood. And so... He says, whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And he says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. So we recognize it was not just a one-time thing, but it was God working with a people. The same God that worked with the rib that he took from Adam to form a woman is the same God who's at work with a bride today. He's working with us. He's forming us. He's doing a work with us. Now the Bible would also go to say, and, and, and we could leave it there and say, wow, that's wonderful, that's tremendous. But let's just move this further because I want to move this to what we need to do to cooperate, to move with God. Revelations 19 would say, let us be glad and, and rejoice and give honor for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And we could say, we're in that time. But then there's these words. It says, the bride has made herself ready. Now he's doing the work, but the bride has to make herself ready. We need to respond to what he's doing. And we need to follow and understand what the Spirit is saying. You know, this is the most peculiar move. It's not just us rehearsing scriptures and having Easter meetings and having Christmas plays. But this is a, actually a working and a forming. It's God continually moving. I believe he's moving us further. Now, the bride has made herself ready, and then to her was granted a linen. And Brother Branham would make the statement, we have the garments now. He made the statement. But then on the other side, he said, there's a bride who's ready. If I can only get her to hold still, to hold still while I try to put the garment on her. So now there's two sides to it. It's not just, well... It'll be there, you know, it'll happen, poof, I'll be there. No, we've got to work with him. Now, I'm, I'm going to go back to the man for a minute. Hebrews chapter 5. 
in Hebrews chapter 5. Now, last week we took a little bit of this on Melchizedek and, and uh, what he brought to, to this, but I'm going to, it's the office of a high priest because, you know, Jesus was prophet, priest, king. And, 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 and it all reflected. But now I'm going to just focus a little on, on the priest part of it here. And I won't read, you can read verses 1 to 4 to yourself, but to save time, verse 5. So also, because it talks about the Levitical order of the priesthood, but there's a higher level to that. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest in, it, in that he said, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Friends, we are not going back to the order of the old church, to the order of denominations. That order has gone. The the priesthood of Melchizedek is here today. The pillar of fire is leading the church today. This is not about men and we get together as ministers and we can do this. No, we're apart. We're under that order, but it's him. I've got to defer to that in everything I do and say. We all do. So now, he makes this statement then. Oh, Melchizedek, you know, without father. But now look at this next statement. In the days, who in the days of his flesh. So he became Jesus Christ. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. The Lord Jesus Christ. Crying, tears, agonizing, working out his salvation. And, and he was able, who, he offered these prayers unto him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard in that he feared. I will tell you that the spirit of this church, uh, of this age that we live in, has put a callousness on people. And if we're not careful, it comes on us. And we view things very superficially. Oh yeah, that's, that's here, that's there, that's that. And, and life has become cheap in the eyes of people. Words and oaths mean nothing to people. Who you hurt, what you do along the way, means nothing. But I'll tell you, there's a reckoning that's coming. And I feel that we need to have more of the fear of God to recognize we're going to give an account for our time on earth, our record of what we're doing. That's why we need a life of prayer. Now, we're not going to make, we're not going to be perfect. You're called, you come to the message and there's this thought, well, we know better, therefore, no, we need the humility of little children as in the baby dedication this morning to recognize I need to confess, I need to say I'm wrong. So he would say, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him, called of God a a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jump quickly over a couple of chapters. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And it would say, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. 
Sacrifice isn't something people want. Lord willing, I need to take a service one day on replenishing the earth. Because the earth that we're walking on now is the earth we're going to walk on in the millennium. And you can make steps while you're here that will serve you well when you get over there. But, but for today, just to keep our focus, we're going to speak on, on really the power of loosing or power to loose. So, so now it says you're a priesthood and it says to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Uh, if I'm looking for what I can just get out of it, well, I came to church, I didn't get anything out of that. Let me ask you this question. What did you contribute what did you do to help someone else? Because if, if it's only what I can take, you know, Jesus, when he came, he didn't say, blessed are, are the cheerful takers. No. He said, blessed are the cheerful givers. You give, you'll be blessed. That's a law of God. You put something into it, you'll get something back. God is not unrighteous that he will not forgive your sacrifice. You put something into it, something is coming back to you. Now, so he says, you're a priesthood. In other words, you're giving. You're always Whenever you talk to somebody, you sanctify yourself, always giving a reason of the hope that lies within you. The things you do on this earth, you know, it, it, you know I'll, I'll come to it here quickly, but we, if it's just what we can take out of the deal, that's the spirit of the world. That's not what we're here for. There was laws in the Old Testament. Don't glean the corners of your field. Leave some. Could you imagine the Jews having to deal with this? Are you kidding? That, that's going to set my crop back by so much of a percentage. No, that's a law of God. It's still in, these are shadows and types. You know, when, when you cut the grass, you know, that's my neighbors. I'm not going to cut an inch beyond our property line. Even though he missed it, re reading it. Now you get the laser out. I'm not going to cut beyond that. That's not my duty. Your duty what did the Good Samaritan's duty? He, he did way beyond what he was asked. He did more than the religious leaders did, more than the Levites did, more than, than all the others did. Because he had the Spirit of God in him. And so we need to sacrifice. There's something in us that is giving to God. My time here is God's. My tithes are God. My offerings are God. How I conduct myself, it's not just for me. My, go and give a seminar on this and see how many people will attend. No, they'll tell you how to, how to get the most out of everything. How to build for your retirement, for what you can get. And what about what God can get? What about what the people of God can get? My, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Oddballs, as the prophet would call it. That you should show oddballs. You mean, you're, 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 
you're, you're not going to... You're not going to take me to court over this little... No, 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 no. Somebody hits you with a car and they take you to court. Or you, you nudge them and they take you to court and they got a neck damage and you just hit them at five kilometers an hour and they're, they're disabled for months. That's the world around us. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm okay. The lawyer makes it... Well, wait a couple months before you sign off on this. No, I'm okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've I got to stop. He, he says that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, let me just take this. The channel this morning, the power to loose. Exodus 23, you're going to go in. You're going to possess a land. But there's going to be snares there. There's going to be all these different cultures and all these different peoples. And they're going to have their gods. Be careful lest you become ensnared with them. Be careful lest they bind you up. Be careful for these things. Let me say this. As a Christian, you cannot even live in this world without getting dirty sometimes. You see things. You hear things. You encounter people. Things attach themselves to you. You know, the, 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 the biggest scams that they have is the free offer that comes across your email with an attachment. Just open this attachment. And the attachment, you open it up, and there's a virus in it. And you got to deal with it in your computer. That's the devil that he's always looking to attach himself. He's always wanting to, to, to get his greasy fingers on something. That he can have a right to accuse. That he can have a right to say something. That he can do it. You know, and, 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 and it would always be that way in the Bible. It would, it, would, it would take different places. I believe it was in Genesis 23. Um. Where, where Abraham, he was given the land, but as he was given the land, Sarah dies, and he was going to be looking for a burial place for her. And a whole chapter devoted to this, and it says, he went and purchased the land. The sons of Heth were going to give it to him. Here, Abraham, you just take it. You're a prince among us. It was an, a free offer. But they wanted to be able to say, we gave that to you. Abraham said, no, I'm going to take it for whatever it's worth because I belong to God. Listen, this is the same Abraham who told the king of Sodom, I don't want your reward. And he gave to the king Melchizedek a tenth. Why? There was something in him. I am a son of God. I'm not in this world. I'm not of this world. I don't want to be defiled with this world. Now these are spiritual types for us. Now to take, take forward. So, Brother Adam would tell us, even our Lord, when he came to the earth, the same three temptations they faced in the Garden of Eden, which was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That was what they faced in the Garden of Eden. That's what our Lord faced. And yet he overcame by taking the word at every instant. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, the disciples asked Jesus this simple question. And they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus would tell them in verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed 
be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's days I don't know what to pray, I pray this. Not that that's, I just stop at that. But I, I take the principle of these things. I, I feel like I got a, a, a million needs to say, but I lay my side, aside my needs and say, Lord, you're God. I worship, hallowed be your name. Lord, we're here for you. You know, and you lead us. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. And then, you know, then you start to say, Lord, we have needs today. Give us our daily bread would be the next verse. Then verse 12, and forgive us our debts. And we, we all want to be forgiven. And we all want to say, Lord, forgive me. I failed you. We, are, we get condemned by things we've said, things we thought, things we looked at, things we said. And, and, and so this is the matter. It was a daily prayer. But there was actually another part that I failed to read. Forgive us our debts, comma. Uh, there's something to follow. As we forgive our debtors. Now, uh, this is interesting. Let's just read a little further. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, what's the next words Jesus says? Oh, we, we failed to read this part. For if you forgive men your trespass, their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So he pulls something out of that prayer that's now incumbent on us to do. You want to be forgiven? You better have a forgiving spirit. You better not hold things in a record book somewhere. They did this back in 1982. And then they did it again in 1940, or 19, 1984. And then again, and, and it's a record. It's, it's, it's here. And, and I've got a record of it. And when the time comes, no, you do that, don't expect to be forgiven. Oh, well, I, I, I won't say anything about it. But if you hold it in your heart, Listen, this is important. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive their trespasses. Now, I, I want to read this part, if I can, for a moment. Brother Brandon would make this statement, and this is in one of the latter messages, Power of Transformation. There's nothing greater than love, he says. Now, we all believe we can take a chart and a pyramid and say the capstone's coming down. But where, what brings the capstone down? There's a cry. It's grace, grace, grace. Something is actually bringing it down. There's a fellowship, there's a restoration that occurred. It's the final age, you know, the, the fellowship that, that had to occur. And that when it, a people get together, that brings the capstone down. So he, he, would, he would say this statement. There's nothing greater than love. And he says, now we can say that we have love and we're just saying that. But when we really express what we said we have, then we show it in ourselves. He makes a statement in the, the same next paragraph. Now, we're not a perfect people. One of us here isn't perfect. She just said it. We are not a perfect people. We make our mistakes. We do things that's wrong. 
But you see, love covers all of that. We're willing, when we see our mistakes, to come back and apologize to one another. Now, this may not be on a level like the last services, but this is highly important. He says, we apologize to one another. We have a fear of God. We don't leave things undone. Ah, they'll forget about it. And yet you know. You know, one, one good way to test if you really have forgiveness in your house, in your heart towards someone, when that person's name is mentioned, you're free and you're clean. But if that person's name is mentioned or you see them, something starts to flip in here, you've got to check it before the throne of grace. You do. Friends, we're moving in a place where the Spirit of God needs to flow freely. And if there's encumbrances, I'll give you a stat. I, a brother had mentioned this in a service, and it's so, so stuck with me. There's a statistic. 90, he says, are insane institutions. If people would be forgiving they would be 92% emptied. But because they hold something in their heart, they're subject to tormenting spirits. I'm going to go into the scripture here for a moment. I have a brother, a flesh brother, and we had a lot of struggles in our family. And... He was at odds between my father and him, so much so they hadn't spoken in years. And as my father was dying, I told my brother, I said, you should just go talk to him. And uh, I was visiting my dad the next day at the hospital, and then my brother shows up in the door, and I excused myself. I, I said, why don't you spend time with him. I guess they spent two hours together. The next day, I called my brother and he, there was a change in his voice. Something had lifted. And furthermore, some months later when my father passed away, my brother made this confession to me. He said, you know, Ed, I was troubled and beset by many things. I was battling spirits and demons. But when I said sorry to dad, those things left me. Why? Why? And he says this, why did I wait so long? I want to be sincere. I don't want to leave things here and let them hinder us in any way. Brother Brandon would often say, how often when people are on their deathbed, they're saying, Go, make this right. Go, go, do this, go. Something's coming back to them. There's a blockage there. There's something binding there. You know you can loose that today? You can get rid of that today? You can pave the way for the Holy Ghost to move today? The power to loose is in us. We have something in us that the devil can't do. The devil can't repent. He can't forgive. But we're the bride of Christ. The zeal of the hour is to repent. He said, 
We make our mistakes. We apologize to one another. That's warriors. Real men and women that's gallant. Any man can go to the battlefield. But when he gets knocked down, get up and try again. Forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time. If I fall or sin, let me rise and try again. You know, the other person we have to forgive sometimes is ourselves. Not allow the devil to heap condemnation on us. No. I have confessed that. Not just superficially in my head. I've got down on my knees and really been sincere. And I've spoke to the Father. He said, here we are in this little group, 120 people. You will find sometimes the enemy will sweep in among you and go through your minds and start this. Now, start what? Oh, just a little saying about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. There's another quote that's going to come in a moment. And he says, and when it does, just stop when he does it. You can, you can, at that moment, you can allow that thing to go unchecked and become a binding thing in the body, or you can loose it. He says, now, stop it. Think back this morning. Think of the times you're sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Some of you are plumbers. That's the quote. You can just smile if you want to do anything. Some of you are plumbers. It's true. And some are carpenters. Smile. Yeah, I saw it. And some this and some that. You rub arms with the world each day. And when you're out there, now I, I'm, I'm just trying to say something. The world is a hard place. When you see those things in great temptations, remember these little sacred places where you're sitting together with the only thing that lasts. Your jobs will fail. Your health will fail. Even your life here on earth will fail. But then that won't fail. He's the center of all things. Let's, let's just, I need to take a principle here. And the principle is found in Deuteronomy chapter 15. I'm going to just jump ahead there, Brother Dan. Now, I, I, I think everything in the Bible is there as a type and as a shadow. But this is a people who are Jewish, whose, you know, their ancestry is to be maybe hold the money and be tight with it. It's that Jacob nature that comes through naturally. But God's working with them. So he tells Moses this. At the end of every seven years... Thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or his brother because it's called the Lord's release. Now, let's just go a little further. Of a foreigner thou mightest exact it again, but that which is with thine brother thine hand shall release Save then that there shall be some poor among you, for the Lord will greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord God to observe these commandments which I command thee this day, for the Lord God has blessed thee as he has promised thee. Thou shalt lend to many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. Thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Now, 
he's breaking this down now right to the level of where they live. If there be among you a poor man of any of the brethren within any of the gates of the land which the Lord giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart and shut thine hand from thy poor brother. And thou shalt open thine hand wide to him and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Now go and read the story of the Good Samaritan. This man didn't just do what was obliged of him or what people saw him, but the good Samaritan did what the others wouldn't do. They crossed the street. They went the other way. They didn't do it because it was beneath them. But God is saying, we're brothers and sisters. You're a priesthood. You're one with another. For seven years, somebody might make some bad business deals. They might be poor. They might this. But at the end of seven years, the record is clean. We're going to put it all on an equal playing field again. We are not going to let it be a hierarchy. I'm above you. You did this wrong in the past. Therefore, I have a right to look down on you. No. Pardon me if I need to minister against where the world is at and what we rub shoulders with. Now, he says this, the good Samaritan, you know, that man, he didn't just go and bind up the wounds with oil and with compassion and with all of these things, but he brought him to the inn, he paid his bill, and he actually said, you know what, if he stays longer, put it on my account and I'll come again and pay you. And whatever he has need of, you put it on. I'll tell you what, that's going the extra mile. I, I, I really could have spent a service on that. That'll be maybe something else. But just read it. Read, take time with it. Now, just look at this principle. You shall not harden your heart, verse 7. Verse 8. But you shall open your hand wide to him and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Could you imagine Moses preaching that service that morning? All the Jewish men sitting there, oh man, when's this service going to be over? But God was teaching them something. There's a year of release. There's going to be an equal playing field. You're going to be a brotherhood. You're going to be one as a body. And he says, you shall surely lend him sufficient for his need and that which he wanted. Verse 9, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart saying, now, now you talk about the word being discerning. Oh. You know, sometimes we take sin and we give sin degrees. Somebody who's a murderer is way up here. Adulterer is next. Thief is down here, liars down here, gossipers down here. They're all the same. They're not, you know, that brother there. And you can't, you're trying to get a toothpick out of his eye, but you can't see the two by four that's in yours. Seriously. I, this is not just, I'm not putting down to you. This is for Brother Ed too, okay? Sometimes as a minister, you get cut. You get hurt. Brother Harold, is that true? Brother Branham got cut, got hurt. So much he built a complex that he said, I'm going to go out in the wilderness. I'll be like those prophets. He lost the feeling of the people. 
Friends, if we ever get to the place we just come to church and show up and plunk down and that's so-and-so, don't take my space. I'm going to get what I get out of this service and I'm going. I'll tell you what, we've missed the mark. If we don't have something in our heart to make this service good for my brother, my sister, for my children, you can let bitterness, you can let things, you know, the Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children. You can provoke your children by running your house like a military camp. Or you can love them. Or you can help them. You can talk to them honestly. I don't agree with what you're doing. But I love you and I'll be praying for you every day. I think we ought to learn from these things. Listen, you've all, we had the prayer request, the family have attended Brother Zig's church, but they lost their daughter in a drowning, 13-year-old girl on Canada Day. They're grieving. We ought to remember them in prayer. The mother can't hardly go through the day and she has to go get something from the hospital to calm her nerves. I talked to Brother Zig and Brother Zig says, one thing he was amazed at was the community where they're at there in Wetaskiwin, how the people have reached out. He said, I was almost ashamed that we and the message didn't do more. I, I, I would just say, do we really have love in our hearts? Do, you know, and love starts with forgiveness. It starts with, I'm not going to hold an ought against somebody. You know what, I... I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Is that what we're doing? This is exactly where the script sermon was going that morning. If you see you're coming to the year of release, the seventh year is at hand, thine hand be evil against thy poor brother, thou givest him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, it will be sin unto you. Because you had an attitude. Okay? Let me go back. Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Brother Neville goes through many strains. Now he says, love one another above everything. Don't, no matter what the devil tries to say, you're one great, big, sweet grouper. Remember my warning? Satan won't let it stay that way. The Bible says offenses must come, or it, it, it says, blessed, Jesus would say, blessed is he who's not offended in me, but these things are going to come. You're going to get bruised. If, if, if I put my ask for a show of hands, how many have gone through unscathed? I don't think there'd be a hand. How many would go through where somebody, a brother or a sister, hasn't hurt you? Every one of us. How many are still carrying it? Or how many have actually gone down and said, I don't care if they don't even come to me or if they don't repent or whatever, I'm going to forgive them anyhow. You know how you can do that? you can start praying for them. When you get on your knees and you have something that you're struggling with, and listen, God calls us from different walks, different characters, different this. Somebody who's got a different nature, character, it just rubs you. Well, maybe you rub them. You ever think of that? <laughs> well, I better go and ask for forgiveness because I'm a, I'm a Christian and I have to. Oh, mercy. That's like saying, I don't really, you know, I can't smoke because I'm a Christian. Go and smoke. If it's in your heart, smoke. Listen, 
Let God put something in your heart that you're a real priest, that you can actually lose somebody. Don't just clip that part where I said, go ahead and smoke. Thank you. Listen, he goes right down here. This is the year of release. Oh, yeah, every seven years that bell rings and I got to release. This guy has been working. He's been giving me profit. Now I got to let him go. I'm going to milk everything I can from him. Right down to the last minute. No, you were actually supposed to give him clothes, give him things, send him out. And if you sent him out with that, you are going to get a blessing back. And not of your own doing. <laughs> the year of the Lord's release. Losing power. It's in your hand. You shall surely give him. And your heart, verse 10, shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Oh my goodness. This is going right down to it. Now I remember years ago. Listen. Who's the greater man? The one who's got an ought and holding it or the one who can say, I forgive it. I'll let it go. It doesn't matter. What, what does it matter? Yeah. You know, we, we can hold it and then we come to the funeral and we act, oh, he was a good man. But while he was here, we shunned him. We, we walked the other way. Oh, the funeral. Oh, he was such a good man. No, let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's not hold things. Listen, I, I feel I, I couldn't preach this without praying this week and saying, Lord, search my heart. What, where do I have ought or trouble or where am I having trouble with something? Am I actually holding back something in your services by what I'm doing in my life? The power to loose was given to Peter in the keys of the kingdom and not just to Peter, but to everyone who's a part of that church. Oh, that... Okay, I'm going to finish this and I've got to get to another scripture. And he says, uh, we, you could, I'll tell you what, I've got to move ahead. Our time's running away on us. Let's just drop down to verse 13. And when thou sendest him out, free from thee, you shall not send him to go away empty. I wonder what the Levite who saw the, 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 the man on the street did when he, did he not read this? You know, we, we get this conception, like, I'm, I'm up here. I'm a Levite. No. You got a bigger responsibility if you're a Levite. But you shall furnish him liberally out of your flock and out of your floor and out of your winepress of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee that thou shalt give unto him. And you shall remember that you were a bondsman in the land of Egypt and the Lord God has redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. If we would remember, that brother used to be in sin. That brother used to, but God's done so much, he's struggling with some things. What can I do to help him? My, my, my. Let's just read, go, go back to the book of Acts here. As we move along quickly to, to get to where I need to get to. Acts chapter 7. I could read more of this, but this is Stephen. Stephen is here. He's giving this sermon. And, you know, he's given a nice historical about coming out of Egypt and doing things and the God of Jacob. And he goes into verse 49, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, has not my hand. 
And then suddenly the service turns into verse 51, and he goes, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. You always resist the Holy Ghost. Let's go down further. Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up and steadfastly into heaven, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears. I couldn't imagine what they do. They, they put earmuffs on. They, they, they stopped their ears. And he says, And they ran with him one accord. And they cast him out of the city. And they stoned him. Something rose up in them. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Now here's, look at all that's been done to him. Look at the result of the service. Look at where he's going. Look at him receiving. He's going, Lord Remember them. May you rain down hailstones upon them. No, this is a higher order. This is now with the Holy Spirit. And he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Verse, chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. So there was this guy named Saul who was there. Uh, Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's standing there. He's holding the clothes. Yep, this guy deserves everything. Yep, this guy deserves. And while Stephen is there, now I, I want you to think about what just is transpiring. Saul is a chosen vessel, but he doesn't know it yet. Stephen is going to die, but as Stephen is dying, he's saying, Lord, forgive them. And Saul is standing back here, and he's going, what is with this guy? Forgive them. How can he do that? Now, I think that was for Saul's benefit as much as anybody's. And Brother Brandon would say, Saul could never get beside him. How come Stephen did this? And not only them, but everybody that's there. Could you imagine now, years later, God's going to call Saul, and he's going to call him, but there's going to be a record against him. And the record against him was that he held the clothes, he was a partaker of the death of Stephen, and that was going to follow him. That probably would have shut a lot of pulpits to him. But when Stephen uttered those words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do, the record was clear. It was no longer attributed to Saul anymore. In fact, I was going to call this message Releasing Saul. Because Saul was released that day by forgiveness from somebody that was wronged. But the Spirit of God was greater in him. And when he released that, it actually paved the way for Saul's ministry. It paved the way. When he gets to heaven, I imagine Saul's going to say to Stephen, thank you for uttering those words. I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. Forgive me. He says, I already forgave you. I, I, I couldn't hold that against you. Jesus 
already forgave you. Why should I hold it against you? Now, now, I, I don't have a chance to read this all, but in, in chapter 8, you see, Saul was given authority to bind all the Christians. Authority by man. He was given authority. He would go down the road to Damascus. He was given papers and letters that he, was, he could bind them. He had a charge for it. But what he didn't know is he was already loosed. And therefore, a pillar of fire came down from heaven. He said, why are you persecuting me? Who is he persecuting? The church of God. I, I don't have a chance to do this in service, but there's a power under the bloodline. People that are under the church, you, we have an obligation to keep the body pure. Don't allow any gods to come in. Don't allow the spirit of the age. I'll take care of myself. And you have a right. You know, you, you go to a psychiatrist and they actually tell you, you, you had this wrong to you. You have a right. You can blame it on somebody else and never take account here. And that's why insane institutions are filled up. Because people will not forgive. Always somebody else to fall. Always somebody, somebody. There's, there's a story of a man who's a, I think he was a Jewish man or something. But his son and him had a estranged in their relationship. And the son wanted to pursue a different career than the dad did or something. And the father could not allow it to happen and developed a complex the son begged him, Dad, allow me to do this. And the man wouldn't do it. And it set a, a marked difference in their life. Friends, we've not been called to that. We've been called release. When we're in this body, if there's somebody that would have an ought, it's not on our business, it's not our right to hold it. You hold it and you wonder why you can't be blessed. You hold it and you wonder. Okay, I need, I need to read. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. We're just going to be a couple more minutes and I'll, I'll wind, wind this up real quick. Matthew chapter 18. We, we read Matthew chapter 18 at the start of the service when we read the baby dedication. <laughs> so we're just coming full circle. Matthew chapter 18. This is Jesus giving a little parable and he would actually say this in, in verse 15, he would say, if your brother trespass against you, and then, um, well, let's just read, let's read this. I, I, I gotta just, can you give me just, just five, ten minutes, okay? <laughs> Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he will, now, this is when somebody did wrong to you. What are you doing? You're clearing the record. Okay, and if, if maybe you looked at it wrong and you didn't see it, maybe you come to a better understanding. Oh, I didn't even know you had this ought against me. You know, sometimes people come to you and they say, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what they did? I says, no, I didn't hear. Why don't we get down on our knees and pray about it? Guaranteed, nine times out of ten, they don't want to pray about it. They just want to talk about it. But what are we doing? We're allowing something to bind on the body. We feed on those things when we need to put them under the blood. Amen. Now, if your brother trespass, go and tell him, thee and him alone, 
And he'll, if he hears you, you've gained a brother. But if he will not hear thee, and you're actually convinced that this is wrong, and he, he acknowledges he's wrong, then go and tell the elders. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And if he will neglect to hear thee, tell it to the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen. So why are we doing this? Because they're under the blood. And, and you know, Brother Rana makes a simple little statement one time. He was just talking about something. He says, you need to make sure you pay your debts. You need to do this. Don't go in with that hanging on you. It's a record. You know, he would talk about different things about how when Mita, uh, it's not Mita, when Sister Hope was passing away, how she was on her deathbed and she, something she'd held from her husband and she tells him and she says, Bill, that chair and that money and she, she tells him about it. It was coming back to her. Now that seemed like a little, little thing. But you know what? It released him. What if he found out after and she hadn't told him? He would have a guilty thing. I know it's quiet. It's okay. Verily, so tell it to the church. Verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you will bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed. Do you really want to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb and start to make excuses or say, I should have forgiven you? Or do you want to do it here? I say unto you, if you would agree as touching on anything, it shall be done from. Now, verse 21, this, like, this, I want to finish on this. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall thy brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. And Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but 70 times seven. That's 490 times a day. Do the math. How many minutes and hours is there in a day? That means you're continually repenting. If they do you wrong that many times. So, in other words, I have a mindset. I don't want to have an ought here. I don't want to have something that hurts us or is in our relationship. I had a man on a business level say this to me the other day. I was trying to find out something for him and he couldn't get a hold of me and he left me kind of a nasty message and I said, listen, I was busy. I was in meetings. I couldn't get back to you. He says, I don't want anything to come between us. So I'm sorry I said that. And I thought, this man is a Catholic. And he did that. And it helped me. And it helped him. How much more ought we to do that? I don't want anything between us. Maybe you don't see it. Maybe you don't even know it's trouble, but it's bothering me. Now, you don't go and just say everything to everyone. That's a guaranteed recipe for trouble too. Listen, he goes on to just say, 70 times 7. And then he gives this little story. It's a parable. I won't, I won't read it all. But a certain king, he, he, he was taking account of his servants and the servants. One owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. And the king commanded, okay, take your wife, take your kids. I can't do it. I can't make the payment. The servant came down and worshipped him and said, I can't have patience with me. Allow this. And the king was moved with compassion. And he said, I forgive you your debt. Now, he went away. Wow, that's wonderful. Now that same servant had another guy that owed him money, which was a hundred pence. It was like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. And he laid his hands on him. You owe me this money. And he says, until you pay. And then he says, have patience on me. But he would not. 
And he cast him into prison till he would pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what was done, they went and told the king. The king hears this story and he says, I forgave you 10,000 talents. You couldn't give, forgive somebody 100 pence. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cast you into prison. And furthermore, I'm going to give tormentors against you. Now this goes back to tormenting demons and people in hospitals and mental institutions because they wouldn't forgive. Now, we all come before the throne of grace. We all say, Lord, forgive me. I said something wrong. And then we just hold a little thing. And Jesus said, I'd like to forgive you, but you're holding this. And we wonder why we're not blessed in some of the things we do. I know this is quiet. I'm just doing this. It's a different service. But I'm saying this because I need to search my heart. You need to search your heart. We need to know where we stand with God and with one another. Don't just leave things to fall into disrepair. You know what? I I remember my father, just as he was passing, he's saying, years ago I did somebody wrong. I called that man up. He had forgotten all about it, but he said, I needed to make that right. And I said, Lord, I don't know what my days are. I don't know what will happen. But don't let me go on holding things. Listen, let's have the musicians come. I'm going to just start to close the service. I'm going to say this. We have the power to loose. What, what, what Stephen did, he released Saul. And, and look at what, it, that what if he wouldn't have done that? What if they had to meet in heaven and, he, and, and Saul would have to? But I thank God that we have an ability. Now, if, if you're a seed of God, you will have something in you that you can humble yourself and you can say, I'm sorry. And you will also be able to ask for forgiveness and be given forgiveness because you too can say sorry. Do we really want to hold a record against somebody? Read Go back and read Deuteronomy 15. At the year of release, it gets very specific. Don't hold it in your heart. Don't bring it up again. But yet, we feel so inclined, it's so easy to do that. Who's the greater, friends? Is, it, is the one who, who, who can lash out and say, I got a right, or the one who can say, I forgive? I think it's the one who can forgive. Listen, that may be... There's much more I really wanted to get into. I want to speak on the power of binding sometime, but as we prepare our hearts for the services, let's stand together. As we prepare our hearts for the services, I think it's unlimited what God can do. The message that Brother Bram spoke, humble yourself. He said, humble yourself with one another and love. And he said, it's untold what God can do. I, I, I want to come into services knowing, Lord, there's nothing here that I need to check now. And if there is, Lord, forgive me. Now, as I said earlier, we can't help but be getting dirty. We're bruised or hurt. But I think we also have the power to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness. Brother Brandon will say, If Satan won't let you stay that way, 
He'll bring in somebody to make a target. He'll bring a critic or an unbeliever. Shoot that guy with poison stuff. Start through the church. Don't take sides with it. Don't do that. Stay right and loving and sweet and kind to one another. Pray for that man that he'll be saved or that woman. And stick with one another. Stay with your pastor. He's the shepherd. Give him respects. He'll lead you through because he's ordained. Now remember that the enemy will come. And when he does, cling that much closer. And the one that the devil is using for an enemy will either get out or come and be one among you. Does this sound too simple this morning? Uh, Listen, this power is in the church. You can play something softly. Where's Brother Rake? Brother Rake, can you come up here? I'd like you to sing a chorus or two with me. Go and read the message Paradox. Brother Ram talks about this spirit or this serpent that was after his brother. And he tells him, you've been given power to bind him. And Brother Bram says, I bind you in the name of, and he says that puff of smoke and that thing bound together. And he said that serpent represented sin. And then he says, that you may know you also can unloose him. Now, you may have walked in your life and things that God loosed you from, just like those that were under the angel, the nations they were in, they began to bring those gods back in. They began to look at things they shouldn't look. They began to say things they shouldn't say, do things they shouldn't do. What are you doing? You're unleashing that serpent again. But you can bind them up again too. I think the message was the absolute and Brother Branham would speak. And he said he saw, I, 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 how, how many knows who Aliup is? If, if you raise your hand, you've just dated yourself. Aliup was a character in a story, some kind of a, Brother Branham said he saw a devil that looked like Aliup. He says, you run into them once in a while. And this devil was coming after him. And it was starting to, to come upon him. And, and can I just read this as, as, we, as we close? And, 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 he, and he said this. I was laying there. People talk about devils. They don't know what they are. And he began to accuse me. And I began to say, Satan, you have no power with God. You're a, a bluff. You're an offense. You know what the greatest disrespect you can give to the devil is? Ignore him. Ignore him. So-and-so, ignore him. <sighs> Could you imagine that demon having to go back and report to the devil? They didn't listen to me. Yeah, exactly. And he says, you run headlong into them. You have no power. Satan, you're an offense to me. Get out of my way in the name of Jesus Christ. I laid there a little bit on the bed and a sweet feeling came over me. I said, I wonder if the Holy Spirit's close. So help me, the Bible over my heart, the sweetest voice I ever heard in my life. Don't fear to go anywhere. Don't fear to do anything. 
the never-failing presence of the Lord Jesus is with you where you go. If you have laid it down, if you have a record, friends, the Holy Spirit can be your portion today. Let me walk with you, Jesus. Let me walk with you, Jesus. You found me when I was so lonely. And you found me when I was so Just one.